Hey everyone, welcome to Shine Health Coaching. Today I'm talking with Carissa College. She's from Sydney, Australia, and she is an eating behavioral specialist. So Carissa, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm an eating behavior specialist, which I suppose a lot of people are like, okay, cool, like what even is that? Um, And I suppose, you know, it's a combination of my undergrad degree was in nutrition and my postgrad is psychology neuroscience. And so I've really combined kind of the nutritional approach to, to working with people's eating. And then I was like, if I give out meal plans or if I tell people what to eat, they're not doing it. Like it's not happening, no matter how good my meal plan is, no matter how good my advice and recommendations are, people aren't sticking to their diets. And so I really got obsessed with the psychology behind it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go study this. Um, And so now it's more about like my whole life, you know, work life really does revolve around coaching women to be able to use psychology and behavior change tools so that they can adopt an eating pattern that works for their goals, whether that be weight loss or maintenance. Um, But quite honestly, a lot of my work is is focused in like eating disorders, subclinical eating disorders, and repairing people's relationships with food. And, you know, I'm really passionate about that. My, I had an eating disorder for 15 years. Um, And before working in this, I was a personal trainer. So I was in the fitness industry and I I was really struggling with my eating disorder. And I, there was a lot of shame behind that. I didn't want to talk about it, obviously. Um, And I, once I recovered from that, I just was obsessed with helping women help themselves with that too. And I felt like there was a real missing in, in the breakdown of, psychology because if you've got an eating disorder you'll see a psychologist and if you've got a subclinical eating disorder so the people that yo-yo diet constantly dieting those people go see a nutritionist or they go see a personal trainer Mm. and actually what we need for people to stick to a plan of eating forever and not have an unhealthy relationship with food it needs to be combined It, it absolutely and you know the best eating disorder facilities are those that combine and most of them do right if it's if it's you know at that level it's usually a dietitian and a psychologist and they're working together um and that's really what we need and so yeah that's kind of how I came to be an eating behavior specialist oh my god okay so I've had a similar experience to you that's why I started studying psychology because I studied nutrition studied personal training went through the athlete life and I was just like there's a disconnect here why is it like you know you get like the same thing you give someone a meal plan it's like why is it this person doesn't do it and this person does it and I think you know there's everyone's always like it's just discipline and I'm like I think there's a lot more to it than this there is a lot more to it and so that's why I started studying psychology as well because it's like oh god yeah it's yeah I feel like you have hit the nail on the head like the more I'm researching into what's going on in the community in like competing all of that stuff there just seems to be so much misinformation about what healthy eating is, how, you know, how they're going to make that work for themselves. And just a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people get lost on that journey. You know what I mean? Like they start out with good intentions or whatever, but they just haven't learned how to do it. They haven't learned those habits, those behaviors or whatever it is for them. And then they just get lost on that journey and they either, either end up giving up completely or they're doing it in incorrect ways. Totally. 
absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. And it is really disheartening. And, you know, kind of like my, my staple talk that I do is the human response to dieting. And it, it's about educating women or, you know, everybody really about what the body goes through when we're under eating. And it's like, it's the same thing. I, I, I liken it to imagine if I was like, go and hold your breath or go and try and live underwater with a snorkel on. It's really uncomfortable. Technically you can do it. Like you could live underwater with a snorkel. Like if you kind of had to do most of the time, but it's really uncomfortable and you will want to come up for air. And that's what we see in people who are trying to diet and maintain a really lean body weight is at some point their body's like, okay, we need to eat now. And there's a real breakdown and the, the behavior that ensues is binging and overeating. And then the response to that, which, you know, I'm sure every woman can relate to is shame, guilt. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? And you know, I really am so obsessed with getting the message out. It's not you. It is never you. It, it is just, that's how the body responds to restriction. You're normal. You're just doing what everyone else is doing, but no one's talking about it. So you don't know. And as a personal trainer struggling with it, you know, I'm ashamed to say that I didn't talk about it. I didn't tell my clients about my binging episode. There's no way. And, you know, I had a, I had a full-blown clinical eating disorder, so I didn't think it was appropriate. Um, and I didn't realize that my clients were actually doing a scaled back version of what I was doing anyway. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started sharing, which was terrifying, um, it, it, it really opened up this next level of communication and connection with those clients about... This is, this is what happens. I'm not superhuman. I don't have this lean body because I'm doing all the things that you can't do. I'm also like binging and, and doing really unhealthy behaviors to achieve this. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a real disconnect in the fitness industry. And, you know, another a part of my work is educating personal trainers on this because they need to know. And it's not their fault that they're struggling and passing on that misinformed advice. They, there's a huge amount of pressure on the fitness industry to look a certain way, huge. And, and it, disordered eating, if not full-blown eating disorders, are absolutely rampant in the fitness industry. And I remember my therapist, when I went in the first time, she was like, don't worry, Carissa, it's your whole industry everyone is struggling oh my god like I love like as you're saying this I'm just like I'm empathizing so deeply with you because on one side I know the pressure you have when you're in that like that role to be that coach with that but you know you're going through that journey yourself and like I just have to say like massive respect for you for stepping up and being like hey and you know talking about that with people and opening that that book for people because that that is hard you know what I mean that's yeah that's and it is something that people don't talk about in the health and fitness industry like you know I was I went to the gym the other night my my girlfriend and I went to like friend girl <laughs> went to the gym the other night. <laughs> I better clarify that went to the, um, the, this other gym the other night and there was like you know there's like a lot of steroid abuse you know you know what I mean like I feel like once you've been in the health industry for a long time you don't walk into a gym and you see the gym anymore. You see steroid use. That person's under eating. That person, like you could just, you start to pick it. You know what I mean? And I remember it was a few years ago, I saw this post and it said, the entire fitness industry is one giant eating disorder. 
And I, I remembered yeah, that yeah. and I was just like, no, nah, surely not, surely not. But the more I research I do into it, I'm like, oh, it's starting to look that way, you know, because and I because I thought this too, I was like, why is it whenever I talk to dietitians, they're like, no, people shouldn't get down to that percentage body weight. People shouldn't be doing this. People shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, but I'm seeing people glorified on stages for doing this behavior, you know, on Instagram, mm. doing all of this stuff. Yet you're telling me it's it's not good. So it's like, well, which one is it? And it's, I'm starting to see, you know, obviously you watch it for a while, you see the long-term consequences of, you know, those behaviours on people. You know, we have bodybuilders who who die on the treadmill. My friend told me the other night, a guy died on the treadmill in his 20s from a heart attack because oh, he was so lean. You know what I mean? So it's just like, ah, oh, I don't know. Like people, I really feel like people go into the fitness industry not because they value their health but because they want to look a certain way. Totally. I agree. Aesthetics industry over fitness and health, for sure. Oh, for 100%. sure. And do you, do you feel like Instagram has made it worse now? Because now we've got Photoshop, we've got perfect angles, everyone's sucking in, poking out. Like, it's not even just standing there like, hey, look at my gym pump anymore. It's like angles, lighting, everything. It's just... Yeah, I do. I do feel like, you know, a, a part of my recovery and, and, you know, I admit it was something I didn't do until the end stages of my recovery mm -hmm. um, was I had to get rid of all those accounts. I, I could not wow. be following these tiny little fitness girls. And it, it was too triggering, you know, when I was trying to relearn my, you know, have a new respect for my body and, and body image. And I had to really get rid of that. And, and just not even have it on my feed. And it's certainly something the girls that really struggle with, I find that with disordered eating, there's, you know, in the background, there's a lot of emotional eating going on, which starts people on this joint journey, right? They're an emotional eater. And then of course they gain weight. So then they start this yo-yo dieting and da da da. Um, but there's also a lot of body image stuff that goes along with that. And I found that following really body positive Instagram pages was so like productive for me. And at the beginning, I felt like a fraud. I was like, I'm going to get fat if I keep, you know, and, you know, I know fat's a relatively word and I, I use that, you know, like in inverted commas. Um, but I was really scared because I was like, I don't want to be these girls. I respect them and I want them to be the role models, but I don't want to look like them. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in a such a different place now where I look at these girls and I'm like, these girls are hot, you know, like these girls are doing their thing and they're owning their bodies and I love it and I'm so all about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, yeah, I do think that Instagram makes it a lot harder and I, I can't yeah. imagine what, you know, the generations now are really going through. Um, yeah. At least I didn't have that. <laughs> yeah and that's like on my Instagram I make sure I always post you know the photos where it's like this is me posed and this is me unposed like I post yeah. I share that kind of content because I want people to see that even in perfect light like you only see the perfect lighting photos like there's some photos of me if I got the lighting on I would like I'm like man I look great and then other ones I just yeah. look kind of average you know what I mean and so it's I think it's important <laughs> like that's what I love about what you were saying before is like you realized the deeper impact of this and then you were like, you know what, I'm going to take responsibility for that and I'm going to step up and be like, this is the message we're sending. We need to make sure we're sending body positive message. Yeah, like look after your health, but have a good relationship with food. Do all of that stuff. And I think there's, I think, I feel like Instagram's starting to kind of go that way now. There's a lot more people like, this is me rolling over with my rolls and stuff. And, you know, even yeah. Victoria's Secrets is out and now they've brought in a new line of models and stuff. So, and it's kind of, I like that because I feel like, I shared this on my Instagram today. It's like um, 
yeah, just kind of sending the message that women are more than their bodies. You know what I mean? Like Lady Gaga did this thing. She's like, I've traveled the world four times. I've done this. I've done that. I've done that. Don't bring it back to make me look pretty. You know what I mean? Like sharing stuff like that is really important as like your growth as a human as well. I think so too. And, you know, it, it might sound like a really contemporary version of, of showing this, but I actually really love what Kim Kardashian has done. And I know she gets so much hate and I, I'm not even going to dive into that. But yeah. what I do like to highlight to all my clients is, you know, when we talk about body image and they're like, how could I ever love my tummy? How could I ever love my thighs, my cellulite? And I just think that Kim Kardashian making big butts and curves a thing when it was all about like Paris Hilton and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. Like that was my era. And it was all about being tiny and ripped and blonde hair and tan skin. And then she stepped in with a Mm -hmm. really different look and she embraced it. And I think I also think of like Beyonce with that. And it's like, you know, I, I think she really stepped in at a time and was like, look what black women can do. Look how good we can look mm-hmm. and look at my big thighs. And, you know, I, I carry my weight in my lower body. So I, I particularly love those two for doing that for me and our generation. But I think it goes to show that it is body image really, beauty is in the eye of the beholder and it's so fickle and it's so yeah. versatile that, but we get caught up in, well, I'm not this and I'm not that and I'm not perfect. And, and we lose sight of, of how much confidence can do. Like when you really own your body, it's like that's yeah. sexy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like she got up there and was like, boom, check it out. And everyone's like, whoa, okay, check it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I really love that. And I think, you know, I also use the analogy of with my girls of, you know, like when there's a guy and he's like, he's really funny and you get a bit of a crush on him and he's a bit cute and you're like, yeah, he's cute. And then he like screws you over or ghosts you and you're like, oh, he's ugly. Why do I even like him? And it's because like he's so confident and he's so funny that it actually shapes the way you view people. And I think, yeah. you know, I, I know it sounds so cliche, like, Beauty's on the inside out, but I do think that like carrying yourself with confidence and and really highlighting who you are beyond who you look, people look at you in a different way. Like people see beauty when they see that kind of coming through. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's what I think anyway. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It's like if you have good vibes, people are like, oh, I like those vibes. And then you're just good vibes, yeah. all hang out together. And you're like, yes, let's all vibe together. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So that's obviously what got you into studying that. Cause yeah, I'm always curious. I'm like, why did people go down that pathway? You know what I mean? And I know when I saw your thing, I was like, it's very, it's like different. You're like, yes, eating behavioral specialist, which is what I've been thinking about, but never really had a word for it. I was just like, why don't people do this? You know what I mean? So I love that. (laughs) Um, And you know what I also love when I was going through your website, you had a a section where it was like, people didn't have to put down their name. They didn't have to put down their email. They could anonymously ask you a question, which from an eating disorder perspective, you know, all the shame, all the emotions around it. I thought that was brilliant. But then it also made me curious because then I was like, okay, but what questions did people send in? Like, could you share some of those? Or... Totally. Look, 
I created that because I, I know what it's like to be, you know, I remember in the very early stages, probably, you know, of my 15 years of struggling with an eating disorder, when I first wanted help, I was so embarrassed. I was so, I was too embarrassed to go to a doctor to get a referral to a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know where to begin with finding a psychologist. And that felt so hectic. Um, And I had a very severe, I, I was pulled out of high school with anorexia. So in, in comparison to my earliest experience with eating disorders uh, in the years later, I felt like a bit fraudulent. Like I'm not, I'm not about to die here. So do I even deserve to go to a doctor and get help? So I was like, okay, maybe I can just seek out some other professionals. And back then, maybe 10 years ago, there was like one person over in America that did what I did and did that what I do now. And I remember being like, I don't want to contact her because what if then she sees my email address and that I'm a personal trainer and is like, you're fucked, excuse my language, you're screwed, like you're a personal trainer, like I can't believe you're dealing with this. And so the judgment is so real. And this is like a woman in America and I was scared of her seeing my email address. And so for that reason, and that held me back for a really long time and so for that reason I really wanted to have a place where people could like ask their deepest darkest secrets not an Instagram where I know who it is and not through an email I wanted it completely anonymous and you know to be honest the types of questions that I get coming through that and I originally just I wanted to have them come through and I, then I wanted to share them on my Instagram or share them through um, my website subscription, like email subscription. Um, but I haven't, they're such raw questions and I actually haven't done anything with them yet yeah. um, other than kind of try and answer them on Instagram. Yeah. Um, but sorry, back to what you asked is, you know, the kind of examples that I get through is it's a lot of it is like, please help me. I haven't stopped binging for like 50 days in a row. Like I wow. can't go to work. My relationships are breaking down. Like just please help. And quite often there's not even context. Sometimes I think it's just like a, a like a venting. Um, but then also people are like, I struggle with night eating. I eat every single night. What's going on with me? My, you know, my partner left me and he said I was too fat how could I possibly love myself if I'm too fat? So it's really, you know, it's the similar questions that I get in private client work that I get on my program, that I get on Instagram, that I get even on comments, you know, like completely openly. Yeah. Um, it, it's a really nice place for people to put it out there and feel like their privacy is being fully respected. I love that. I love that you created that space because, you know, that for that person, that could have just been their first step. You know what I mean? Because it's like, they've just got to vent it out there. They've got to say it and it's just like if they say it they write it down like you you um activate different parts of your brain when you see what you've written down so yeah I just love that idea I love I love the intention behind that idea I love the fact that you were like okay look I I understand where you're at and I, I put this here for you like I just yeah that's awesome that's awesome yeah um so what was your experience with competing so I saw you had you did an article where you talked about um, competing and all of that stuff what was your experience with it yeah I so I've competed a handful of times and it was all probably in the same five-year time frame I think it my last one would have been about seven years ago and yeah. I did my first one and I was going through probably 
the the lowest point of my life and I, I consider myself quite lucky that I have never experienced depression or anxiety kind of beyond what you might experience within an eating disorder right because yeah. you know, that that comes into it too um but this particular time in my life when I did my very first one I was not in a good place and I for the first time felt like I was experiencing the closest thing I could imagine to what depression is and I, I just didn't want to get out of bed in the mornings and I just kind of felt so fat, so ugly. And then working in the personal training world, it just, that was a really difficult experience, but it was all I knew. Um, and I moved to Sydney very recently and yeah. like just had no support system down here. And I just idolized, you know, that, that whole life. And, and of course, you know I always say there's one people don't get excited about someone who's always thin they get excited about someone who's bigger and has lost weight and yeah, so yeah. I'm like I am going to use this as you know a marketing tool that was you know how I how I kind of sold it to myself was that yeah, this yeah. is the marketing I'm going to show people how to lose weight because people don't want to see the skinny people stay skinny I want to see the bigger girls lose weight. Mm. And, you know, I was like a size 10, right? You're going to go feeling super insecure in the gym. Yeah. And so I, I hired a coach and I was struggling with bulimia at the time. And it just got out of control. Like it got out of control. And every show that I did, I prepped for about five and I only stepped on stage about two or three times. And every show it got worse. And because the dieting was so incredibly restrictive and yes. I didn't understand at this point at what was going on. I was studying my nutrition, um, but I, you know, I was in the middle of studying and, but I didn't know what was going on. And I, I was like, what's wrong with me that I can't do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like 1200 calories, you know, and wow. well, at the beginning it was like 1500 calories. And I was working out three hours a day and I just wasn't losing the weight. And my coaches were like, you must be lying about what you're eating. Like stop chewing gum. It must be because you're chewing gum. You know, it must be because you're drinking herbal tea, you know? And I was just like, holy, you know, I've got to step on stage. You guys can't get this under control. So I dropped down in my first comp. I prepped for 12 weeks and I spent the last five weeks on 500 calories a day. Wow. doing three hours of cardio I barely I didn't have it in me to do weights so I kind of did the crappiest weight sessions I lost a lot of muscle as you can imagine yeah and I you know the feedback that came back was like she's so scrawny she's too skinny like like this is just awful um and apart from the fact that I was just so exhausted um but in my eyes I felt like I looked amazing you know, at the yeah. end of it. And I loved how it looked. So of course, when I gained all the weight back after competing as almost every woman that's competed can relate to, it was terrifying. And I was like, you know, I fully embraced like bulking and I was like, yeah, I'm just bulking. And so yes. there was a kind of less shame the, around the, the bulking, <laughs> yes, the rational, the bulking rationalization where they're like, I'm bulking. And you're like, mm-hmm, bulking, hey. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was me, fully yeah. embraced. And I just was like, okay, well, you're going to have to do another one. Mm. And so I prepped for another one and my eating disorder just, it, it blew up and wow. I, I couldn't stick to my diet. Like it would get to Wednesday and it, it really was a really low point. Like I was binging at nine o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday um, because yeah. I, 
you know, I start to my diet all day Monday. I'd had my cheat meal Sunday. Well, yeah, of course like, your body's gonna. You're doing uh, three hours of workout on 500 calories. I couldn't imagine. I know on weight cuts, final week of weight cut, like the day before you're weighing, you're not allowed to eat or anything. And my brain would just send off signals. Like it literally felt like my brain was like, like I don't know, like fuzz, fuzzing, like. Like, yeah, I, don't, I can't even explain it. And you just lay on the bathroom floor like, this sucks, but that's just the normal thing in, in weigh-ins, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But um, do, so do you think that people who go into competing, uh, it, like competing attracts people who have eating disorders? Or do you think, like, you know, it's kind of like like attracts like, or do you think that um, the, in like, people go into it with the right intentions and then the industry, like you are saying, your coaches, um, you know, telling you to stop chewing gum, stop, you know what I mean? It's kind of like maybe they don't have it. There's just not enough education to push the body to the limit that everyone's trying to do. Like, what are your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, I mean, my, like, from like a research standpoint, I, I don't know what the data kind of really is on it, but my yeah. opinion on it is that absolutely what you said was so correct. I think that people with an eating disorder, are certainly attracted because I really do feel like it is a glorified eating disorder. And Mm -hmm. so people like me who are like, oh, I'm kind of doing this anyway. This just gives it a label and gives it structure and gives it like glorification. You know, I was really attracted to that. Obviously at the time, that's not how I saw it. Um, But I also think that, you know, people who develop eating disorders are more prone to developing an eating disorder. So they tend to be people that struggle with emotional regulation and they tend to be people that struggle with self-worth. And so you can see that not necessarily people with eating disorders, but the people that are like had the prerequisites for an eating disorder, they would be attracted to that because Mm -hmm. they would see that and they'd be like, then, you know, you go into do a comp and you're like, then people will see what I'm made of, you know, then yeah. it's like that real look at me now. And that attitude really comes from the type of person that is feeling the need to prove something. Like mm. people that don't people that are really secure in themselves don't need to flaunt it. And uh my acupuncturist who I love today, she always said to me, the bigger the front, the bigger the back. And mm. what she meant by that was the more something is on display of something of on mm. someone, the more likely it is that they struggle with confidence in that area. And, and she was referring to her own experience of my therapy experience. So I never told her I had an eating disorder until yeah. like way after I was better. And she was like, Carissa, you didn't, you didn't need to tell me. You came in with this tiny ripped body that you were showing off every chance you could get. It yeah. didn't take you know, a genius to know that there was body insecurity going on there. And, yeah. and I thought that was really interesting. Um, and, and I've just really kind of noticed it within the industry and yeah, people that really need that to, to feel worthy and to feel like they're beautiful. I, I think it attracts those. People. Yeah. Like that external validation kind of thing. Yeah. yeah sure. I, I also feel like, um, well, I'm not sure what your thoughts are on this, but do you feel like the culture is more moving towards external validation these days? Like, like, I, I don't know, like I grew up in the country, right. Where people, Instagram if you did that on Instagram everyone be like what are you doing like that is weird (laughs) whereas these days it's like you scroll Instagram and it's like you know what I mean do you think it's literally like media and um television like Hollywood social media all of that stuff is creating 
this environment where people are now feeling like it's the same thing with like the um finance industry you know people on there and they're like look at my plane look at my jet and you're just like okay (laughs) everyone's doing this and then they have places where people can go and sit in a private jet it's like a fake private jet and take a photo to be like i'm in a private jet i didn't know that oh legit i know it's hilarious oh my god and so it's like you've got people then fronting to that level so it's just kind of like everyone's trying to like one-up each other and then they're just going next level on it where it's yeah yeah look i i think kind of my answer to that isn't quite so straightforward so i think that that initially in the past has really perpetuated it but i do think i mean i didn't know about the the jet thing um but i do feel like that now people don't trust what they see and so i actually think that we're really craving realness and you know like what you do with your photos on your account and you do the like posed not posed people crave that (laughs) they want that realness and so i actually think that we've hit the peak of that and I think we're actually starting to see the first step of a drop-off towards coming back to being more authentic more real and look that could be me uh wishfully thinking that it's so I'm 100% Um, with you as well like I I believe that we will be going more towards the authenticity because I feel like people kind of got caught up in the craze of social media and then they're like wait a minute what really matters you know what I mean? Like, what, what do I really value? And I, I know the same for myself. Like I, like, I don't trust people who aren't authentic with me. You know what I mean? That's one of the things I'm always yeah. looking for. If someone's really nice to me and they're like, I'm so awesome. It's so nice. I'm like, I don't know. Let me do a little bit of background research here. I've read, the, I've read you know, all of Robert Greene's books. Okay. Like I know human nature. I've spent seven years studying human nature, you know? So, um, and yeah, and I think because that's how you build real relationships. You can't build real relationships on, and I've had relationships where it's like, like friendships in that way. It's like fronting friendships, you know? So imagine if you're going to the gym and you and your friend are both talking about making gains and whatever, but you're both like, yeah, no, I'm sticking to my diet hundred percent. And then, but both of you are lying to each other. That's not, how are you ever going to have a real connection with that and really, you know, create a team or anything like that? That's, that's hopefully where things are going. Yeah. I think so too. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, you talked also about like cheat meals being glorified binges in your um, article. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I look, I'm so, you know, I'm really obsessed with that concept because they just aren't, they really, really aren't. And I, once I stopped doing cheat meals, I mean, I, before I recovered, I was like, cheat meals are just not goals here. I got to get rid of these cheat meals. And so I kind of, I really, you know, I suffered with like anorexia and, and part of that was, you know, bulimic tendencies along with that. And so, you know, a cheat meal to me was immediately like at the very early stages when I was like in the depths of it, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I'm actually allowed to do this. Like this yeah. is a part of the plan that I eat until I'm sick. And you know, not necessarily sick, but you know, and 
I, but very quickly, kind of the second I was ready to recover and it took a long time from when I was ready to recover. That was one of the first things that I did before I even saw a therapist. I was like, this has got to go. Like I, I actually, this isn't helpful. And then it was actually, I mean, I'm in a very happy relationship now, but a few years ago, I was on a date with a guy and I was a long way through my recovery. I was at the very tail end. And to the point that I kind of forgot that people have cheat meals and I never really thought that a male would. And yeah. he was on this date and it's like our second or third date. And he was like, so is this like a cheat meal or are we ordering like the steamed greens and da, da, da. And I was like, what? Mm. I, like, I just, I, it, it's just a meal. I'm not doing either of those things. Like he was mm. very much like, are we ordering all the like fried stuff or are we ordering all of the green vegetables? And I was like, uh, can we hit some like middle ground here? And, and you know, it was so, it'd been so long since I'd done that. And I was, I had a real hard line with my, in my friendships that I was like, I don't talk about weight. I don't talk about body size. I don't talk about dieting. And I, when I started to recover, I, I was really strict on that, which yeah. as, you know, working in the industry was confusing for people that I was so hard lined on it. Yeah. Um, but my friends really respected it. So I wasn't even used to talking about that stuff with girlfriends. So to be on a date, I just was like, and I remember sitting on that date and this guy was like this lean ripped, like fitness dude. Yeah. And he was like himself. And I remember thinking like, that's what I would look like in a, in the middle of a, like a shameful binge in the privacy of my own home. And you've just like done that in front of me. And because it's a cheat meal, you think it's okay. Mm. And it, that's when I was like, came up with the term glorified binge because I really, really did think like this is horrifying behavior. And it was a real reminder that actually this is going on all the time. People are having, you know, binges and thinking it's okay because then yeah. they're super strict during it. So they're kind of mimicking an, an eating disorder in that real, you know, strict binge and then compensation and it doesn't have to be vomiting or laxatives. It can be going for an extra run in the morning. Like mm. atypical bulimia is where you compensate through exercise or through, you know, a, a reduction in food the next day, which might sound drastic. I get that um, to people that are doing it and maybe who think it's fine. Um, but yeah, this, this cheat meal thing is, is great yeah, to no me now. Ground. Yeah, just, they just lose the middle ground. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. So what are um, three tips that you have for people who are like, if they're like starting their health and fitness journey, like, yeah, those ones that you're like, okay, please, please take these, implement these. Yeah. It, do you mean with like professionals, like becoming fitness professionals, or do you mean just like the everyday person wanting to exercise and get fit and healthy? Uh, like whatever you feel called to to speak about whether it's for professionals or whether it's for people who are like just stepping foot in a gym like whatever you're like those are my top three that I'm like oh my god I have to share these like yeah cool yeah no I love it my my number one thing that I want would want people to know is that the body doesn't like being in restriction so when your body acts out and when you start thinking about food all the time and when you start binging and snacking and overeating and getting obsessed with food, that is a sign that you've gone a little too hard. And so you just need to back off. Like they, like people get scared of them. People think that there's something wrong with them. And I would, I just wish people knew that they were just simply warning signs. 
that's it. Just warning signs. It's just your body being like, hey, I'm a little bit too hungry here. Can we just slow it down a little bit? Just as if you were going out and you wanted to look really cute in an outfit in the middle of winter and you were shivering. Your body's just like, don't get mad at your body if you're getting cold. It's winter. It's freezing. Like go put a jacket on. You know, it's that kind of mentality. Like just rein it back a bit. Um, I love that. That would be that would be the first one. I wish people really understood that. The second one, which I, I suppose is in line with this, is just balance. And I know that that can be a lot easier said than done. But a lot of people are really all or nothing. And, you know, it's it feels really cool and accomplished to, like, eat, like, your 19 almonds and to weigh out your food and to get really, really pedantic about being perfect. But when there's no flexibility, like the more rigid you are, the more likely you are to snap. So it's kind of like being like bamboo, like you've got to be really flexible and you've got to still go out with your friends and and just being able to have that balance in place for sure. And then the third thing that I would say is that I think that really training your mind is, is really important. Like if you want to take on a body change, like if you want to lose a significant amount of weight, or if you want to get yourself really fit and healthy or repair your relationship with food, people take it on like it's some really easy task and it takes training and it takes compassion and patience with yourself but I really do recommend and you know like I said at the very beginning I'm, I'm doing a research project on them at the moment around mindfulness and you know when you're sitting on the couch being like don't think about the chocolate biscuits in the cupboard don't think about the chocolate biscuits in the cupboard and then you cave because it's so unbearable to sit with that craving doing things like meditation and mindfulness practices. And that can just be breath work for a few minutes or trying to do a coloring in book and not think about anything other than the coloring in. It just trains you to really focus your attention. And I think that's really important and a real missing. And to be honest, I could, I could name a million things that I think are so important, but I'll, I'll definitely stop it there because yeah, I think those three are big ones. It's hard when you're like passionate about something. People are like, will you give me three tips? And you're like, uh, excuse me, allow me to pull out like my 100 books on this. Like, yes, I love that. But I love that. That's what I love when people are passionate about that stuff. And I love when people have had personal journeys through it because, you know, you understand things and you, you, you're just so much more curious about things than if you've just been like, oh, I guess I'll just study this subject because it would make a good job, which is like there's nothing wrong with that. But I just feel like when you're like super passionate about things, you go like that next step, you know? Um, yeah, so, I agree. Um, yeah. So could you explain your eight week program? So if anyone is like listening to this and they're like, you know what, I'm in that place. I'm vibing with this. I want to reach out to someone. Um, could you explain what your eight week program is? So they, they know what to look forward to. Yeah, totally. So my eight week project is like, it's like my baby, right? Because I was working with women and, you know, some people are overeating, some people are under eating and, you know, there's binging and that looks different for everyone. And some people are over exercising. So I was primarily just doing private work, right? One-on-one. And I noticed two things came up for me. Not everyone can afford private coaching in this and and therapy and it's expensive and I want 
want this to be accessible to more people, number one. But the second thing I noticed was that no matter how people are presenting, whether they're a stay-at-home mom and they're eating all their kids' food or whether they like keep gaining and losing the same 10, 20, 30 kilos and they're just yo-yo dieting or, you know, whether they're struggling with an eating disorder, it, I noticed that there were eight key points that every single woman was benefiting from. And so I wrote the program based on that. And so there's modules, you know, like one of them is education about the binge restrict cycle, which educates women on how your body responds to under eating. So, you know, when you've gone too far, you know, and then I've got modules on emotional eating. So we dive into the emotions. Um, and then we do uh, modules on hunger and fullness, like what is hunger? How does the body feel full? And, and all of those things, right? And so there's eight modules all on that. And then I do a private one-on-one -on -one session at the very beginning of the eight-week program with, you know, with you. And we, we discuss a private plan that you work along uh, so that you've got guidelines to stick to whilst you're running through the eight weeks. And then we do weekly group calls every week and we dive into that module and it's an open discussion on Zoom and we've all got our videos on. Um, and then the final piece is I, I love the idea of community and really making the inability to stick to a diet less taboo. Um, so I have a group chat and it's a whole community where you just talk about your struggles and people help each other and people get either really involved and some people don't say a word on the group chat. I totally respect that everyone's got their own views on how much they want to indulge on their journey. Um, and then we do weekly check-ins to keep you accountable. And I, I, I absolutely love it. And the girls love it. You know, I get such good feedback from it and I, you know, I, there's always more that can be done. I know that eight weeks, there's a lot, there'd be a lot of therapists out there saying eight weeks isn't enough. And they're right. For, for a lot of people, eight weeks isn't enough, especially if it's clinical grade eating disorders. Um, but it's a great start and yeah. it's really educational based and, and really puts the power back on, you know, the girls I'm working with so that they know, you know, it's not just me telling them what to do. It's like, this is why you're doing this. And, and then they've got those tools forever, which I love the most. Mm. I love the fact that you created that community as well, because then people can go in there and it's like a safe place for them to all be like, hey, this is what's really going on. Because I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm crushing it at this and I'm crushing it at that. And it's like, no, like, let's be real. Let's talk about what's really going on. That way we can all, you know, swap ideas. Like that's what I'm loving about this podcast is like, I've been studying so much of my own stuff into this, but then I go and like, I never would have looked at things the way, um, I do now if it wasn't for this conversation it's that sharing of information that really like bridges those gaps you know what I mean it's like I like to think yeah. of like a supercomputer it's like you got one computer and then you link a bunch of different computers together it's like a supercomputer I'm like oh supercomputer <laughs> so true I love that I love that and I think so too like I think community and and being vulnerable and sharing like, and connection like that's at the crux of what every human being needs. I and mean, you'd know that from your studies. And it's when you can create that. And, you know, I love Brene Brown. I'm obsessed with her. Um, and so I really love, if you're not familiar with her, it's, you know. Or, or the I was like, oh, my aren't. God, I've got to go check this chick out now. Like, oh, my, oh, my God. If you don't know her, you will love her. She talks about she's a shame and vulnerability researcher. Wow. And she did a TED talk went totally viral as it should have and she's amazing and she she really highlights the importance of being vulnerable and being authentic you authentically yourself and mm -hmm. that when you're ashamed 
shame thrives in secrecy. So yeah. it's so important for girls that are, if they don't want to, I get that. You don't want to talk about what you're going through when you're going through it. But as soon as you talk about it, it's like, oh my God, that's like out there in the open now. And I can breathe easy. Um, and when you say it out loud, you also get to hear how like not intense it is and that it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's almost like you're projecting your own, like you make it so much worse because you're like, I won't talk about it. And it's just like, you're making it worse. Yes. You just talk to people and then people are like, oh, okay, that's cool. All right. Let's, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to work through it? Or yeah, I love that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What does she have Instagram? Let me like Instagram is, she probably would have Look, Instagram. Her Instagram's not great. Yeah, her okay. Instagram's not great. You want to go on her podcast or okay, you want yeah. to get read one of her books, um, yeah. like read her Audible, but her podcast would be a good place to start. Yeah, I'll she's check it out. Yeah. yeah. Her podcast is, sorry, her Instagram is like woefully, you know, not great, but she's a researcher. Like she's like a full academic. So the, the gold is in her books, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but also in her, her podcasts are, are really great. So highly <laughs> recommend. Oh, that's exciting. Okay, I've got more stuff to nerd out on now. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, um, do you have anything you want to say to everyone or we're, we're all good? Yeah, no, just like thank you so much for having me. And like, if anyone has any questions, like to please reach out, um, jump on my website and, you know, it's, it's I, I'm happy to help everyone and anyone, you know, whether you reach me through Instagram or it doesn't matter. Like I just... I'm happy to help. I'm, I'm really so passionate about, about helping women with this. And I think the number one thing I want people to know is they're just not alone. Like we're all doing it. We're all binging. It's all yes. hard. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to attach your Instagram and I'll also attach the website link to your eight week program. So anyone, if you're vibing with it, if you're in that place, check it out, know that you are not alone. We are here to help. <laughs> and yeah, I yeah. hope that you guys have a great day wherever you are in the world. Bye.